welcome to this edition of Rural Perspectives brought to you by Egg Country Farm Credit Services. I'm Megan Turnquist on behalf of the Red River Farm Network and joining this week's podcast is Katie Tangen, Market Education Specialist with Egg Country. Thanks so much for taking time to talk today, Katie. Thank you, Megan. And so I think the first item of business we'll discuss here in this week's podcast is USDA released their monthly crop production numbers. And Katie, walk us through some of the main highlights of that report. Well, the big deal in May is that that's the first look we have at the balance sheet for the upcoming new crop. So this is the first chance we've had to put all the numbers from USDA together in one basket for an outlook. And none of it's usually that surprising because we get little bits of it. You know, we had the acreage number out at the end of March and they hardly ever change that um, until we get into July and we have the June report. Um, and then unless there's an extremely good reason for them to, to vary from a trend line yield, that's what they almost always use. So we're kind of putting a lot of things together in one, but it's also the first chance we have to look at the demand, which I think is a really big question in a lot of people's minds right now um, because of the coronavirus and we've had so many changes so there's a lot of changes on all these balance sheets um, this month. And, you know, it's it's so early in the crop year. They're all far from being final, but this is our starting spot. And so how do we digest these numbers and interpret it for Northern Plains farmers, Katie? What is of significance? You know, I think when you look at it, um, there's a few things kind of coming together here. So we'll start with corn um, and that balance sheet is a little bit complicated because last year when we looked at soybeans, soybeans are the ones that really struggled. You know, they had a, a projected carryout of over a billion bushels. Trade situation was really weighing on how we were going to export. Um, but then we had that planting issue that was so wet in May and into June and we didn't get the acres we thought, um, the yield wasn't that great. So we were managed to work down a lot of that carryout. Unfortunately, through that same process, we've managed to attract a lot more corn. And that's how it works. It's kind of a pendulum. So we swung really far in one direction for, for beans, and now we're swinging back ways the other way. So when you put pencil to paper, much the winter, corn looked better. Now, we're sitting at mid-May, and at least for the northern plains, We've had some really cool temperatures. We've had some really wet days, and not a lot of field work has gotten done. In terms of corn planting, North Dakota is the only state that's behind the pace even from last year. Not a lot. I mean, last year we only had 9% done. Now we're down to 7% done. But we're still the only state that's behind. Most of the other states, and specifically Minnesota, once you get further to the south, and then Iowa, are way ahead. So they have a really good start on their corn crop. Those acres are in the ground and ours aren't. So now, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions on do we continue to put corn in? Do we start to switch acres over? And I think we are to the point that, you know, prevent plant is going to be a legitimate question in a lot of, of people's minds, at least in North Dakota, but maybe also some parts of far northwestern Minnesota. And so you're really going to have to push a pencil to that and say, you know, what is my eligibility um, and, and is it better 
you know, and we have a couple weeks. I should add that the, the last plant day is not for 10 days, but still the window's getting short here. Um, kind of plan those out. Does it make sense to switch to soybeans? Am I worried about whether, you know, if I push that date, whether my corn crop is going to finish? And so I think there's a lot more um, budgeting, a lot more looking at numbers, a lot more, well, maybe I should switch it in the Northern Plains than we would have expected a few months ago. And so as we talk about all these options that Northern Plains farmers are weighing right now, Katie, has that caught uh, the attention of the markets yet or USDA or what's the talk in those circles? You know, I don't, because everyone else has had such a quick planting pace, I don't know that it has gotten a lot of attention. Um, and corn, North Dakota isn't typically one of the, the bigger acreage states. I mean, we produce enough to be a, a major producer on the list, but we're not, um, you know, in the top five. Soybeans, on the other hand, North Dakota has risen substantially. So now we're, you know, fourth some years in acreage. So I do think that if we, if we got later, if this pattern continued into June, I do think there would be some discussion on soybeans, but I don't know that with just corn being the issue right now, if it's going to be a big talking point. And I know particularly in North Dakota itself, uh, some of those farmers are still uh, on the, you know, 2019 harvest hangover, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, you know, trying to wrap up corn harvest or destroying corn or or just managing last year's crop that was still in the field. And there has been talk from USDA of, of reevaluating some numbers from last year and, and resurveying certain states. And so what do we know at that point about USDA's plans to get these numbers, you know, down to be as most accurate as possible? Um, yeah, so when we go back to the final, they do the final production number in January. When they came out in January, they said, we're going to resurvey this set of states in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, I think Michigan. They resurveyed, they have already resurveyed all the other states except North Dakota. So they resurveyed Minnesota, fixed their numbers, and it didn't really amount to a big change or some little changes here and there. But they still admitted this last month that harvest is not done in North Dakota. They are going to continue to resurvey. They're going to be doing that in the next few weeks. They're going to publish that number in June. Will it change? Probably. Um, I think when you look at the fact that you're going to have a lot of acres that are still out um, as we go into the planting season, there's going to be a lot of questions from guys, you know, even stock quality, if they're standing in water, at this point, and, you know, stocks are dead, they're going to fall over pretty quick. And so I think you will see a reduction. I don't know if it will be a big enough reduction that the market will pay attention to it. Well, Katie, as we wrap up our conversation in this edition of the Rural Perspectives podcast, any final notes for the farmers listening out there? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, I know these are the first numbers in corn, the first projected number is, is 3.3 billion bushels to carry out, which is enormous. That would be the biggest that we've had since um, early 90s if, in terms of stocks to use ratio. And it's really easy to get caught up in that. But I think everyone wants the one answer, you know, this is the crop that's going to make me money. This is what I should do. And I don't know that there is one universal answer because every farm is going to be a little bit different. 
Farms in the northern end of the valley are going to be different than farms at the southern end of the valley. Farms by Jamestown are going to be different yet. You really have to be familiar with your numbers. And then once you have those down, you can make your plan. Because as much as we want, you know, model this COVID-19, and last year we tried to model prevent plants. There are certain things that models can't judge because they're just based on statistical input. These are circumstances we've seen before, so it's hard to predict what's going to happen at the end of them. Make decisions on what you can control, and then you need to to look at things you, you may not happen. And that's really what grain marketing and crop insurance is all about, is controlling those unknown circumstances. So first got to separate the knowns, and I think we're at the point now for a lot of guys, that's going to be the first step. Well, very good, Katie. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with us this week. Thank you, Megan. That's the latest edition of the Rural Perspectives podcast made possible by Egg Country Farm Credit Services. Find out more by visiting eggcountry.com. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Megan Trunquist for the Red River Farm Network.